Sunday. It's always well, it's always open if anybody wants to sing a special. All right, Miss Dana. No? All right, Ashley, Ethan. All right, anybody want to sing a special? All right, it's fine. All right. Uh, <laughs> um, so uh, this this particular family had had three small children who were determined to have a puppy. Sounds like sounds like our family. Um, Mom protested just like Sally did because she knew that somehow or, or other she would end up caring for the critter, which has been the case most of the time. She's nodding her head over here. True to form, the children solemnly promised that they would take care of that puppy. Eventually, she relented and they brought their little puppy home and the children named him Danny and cared for him diligently at first. But sure enough, as time passed, Mom found herself becoming more and more responsible for taking care of the dog. Finally, she decided that the children were not living up to their promise, so she began to search for a new home for Danny. When she found one and broke the news to the children, she was quite surprised that they had almost no reaction at all. One of them even said, rather matter-of-factly, we'll miss him. Uh, I'm sure we will, Mom answered, but he is too much work for one person, and since I'm the one that has to do all the work, uh, I say he goes. But, protested another child, if he wouldn't eat so much and wouldn't be so messy, could we keep him? Mom told Mom held her ground. It's time to take Danny to his new home. Suddenly, with one voice and with tears in their eyes, the children exclaimed, Danny, we thought you said Daddy. <laughs> hey. Hey. <laughs> Happy Father's Day. Right. Uh, there's going to be a couple of those today. Uh, uh, a small boy's definition of Father's Day is it's just like Mother's Day, only you don't spend as much money. Which is about the truth. Uh, and, and, and like I did uh, with Mother's Day um, several weeks back, I want to also, again, be, be sensitive during this time and, and, and just say that I, I know it's tough personally um, being in a church service on Father's Day and not being a father. Uh, yeah, you know, our our background, I think y'all may know a little bit about this, but maybe not the details. Uh, me being a triplet, both my sisters got married right out of high school, both of them, okay? Um, and so I didn't get married till like nine years after graduation. Um, and then nine years later, after we got married, do we have a child? So it was a long time where I was like, you know, you ever going to get married uh, when you're having kids, you know, and, and being and sitting in church services and not, and, and being like, okay, Father's Day, but I'm not one. So I do understand, um, you know, uh, if that's you today, and I just want to encourage you, um, you know, today, and, and I hope that you still get something out of the message today, and um, also realize that I bet you're being a, a father-like figure in somebody's life without even realizing it. So fatherhood is, is tough sometimes, and um, sometimes you just have to, like, laugh about stuff, don't you? I mean, um, especially in 2020, you know, with COVID and all. And so I have uh, just a few uh, hand-picked um, social media posts from 2020 uh, that have to do with being a father, okay? So the first one, I'm not going to say who, who said this, okay? It, it would just take too much time. But uh, one person said, check on your friends with toddlers. The toddlers are winning. Send help. The toddlers are winning. Uh, the next one, if I learn just one thing as a parent, it's that by the third kid, they can be juggling samurai swords and hand grenades, and you won't care as long as they're doing it quietly. <laughs> Amen to that. And even if you're a mother, you know, I'm sure you can relate to these. Parenting is telling one kid to leave the other alone until you die. 
can relate. We have to say that every now and then. I want my 13-year-old to understand how important honesty is, but also know that she is 12 when kids eat free. <laughs> we all will get that later. Uh, my daughter had a Zoom class yesterday, only in 2020 and 2021, whatever. Uh, the teacher's internet went out, and so one of the kids was made the default host. Um, he muted everyone, uh, pretended to teach the class, and then just said fart over and over until the teacher was able to join back. It was amazing. I'm sorry. Holy Zoom. Sorry. That's funny to me. Uh, and lastly, my son asked me, Dad, where does poo come from? Sorry, y'all. Uh, I was a little uncomfortable, but gave him an honest explanation. He looked a little shocked and perplexed and stared at me in stunned silence for a few seconds and then asked, and ticker? Okay, y'all get that later as well. All right, sorry. Oh, that's a good one. Okay, um, so today, today we're going to look at, and I think Mr. Ron will put it up here. We're just going to take uh, the word Father, and it's, and I'm going to bounce around today. There's no set verse today, bouncing around a little bit. So obviously different than what than what we normally do on Sundays. But it being Father's Day, I'm sure y'all have heard you know hundreds of what not hundreds, but you know, um, but a lot of Father's Day messages. And um, I, I hope that you still get something out of today that you're encouraged, even if you're even if you're not a man, uh, and that you you know you, you'll be challenged and encouraged today. Because like Mr. Tommy said so well in in his uh, in his prayer, uh, that prayer could have preached today and would have been fine. Some of y'all are like, hey, y'all want to do that, Patrick? That would be a good Happy Father's Day. We can get out early, but no. Uh, but I appreciate it, Mr. Tommy. But um, so we're just looking at the at, at the idea of the word father, and and I just I, we made an acrostic out of it, as you can see, okay. And I'll do my best today to to not say it and do the Darth Vader voice too often. Some of y'all know what I'm talking about, all right? Look, I am your father. Sorry, I can't help it. I just when I think father, I just you know, um, or that other movie here recently, Right Girls, Right Right Kalen, where he says where he gives him a, de- a busted up phone and he says thank you, father. Anyway, um, but it, and so this is our these are our words today. If you want to take notes, and our central statement has those words in it. So good fathers are men of faith, are advocates for their faith and family turn up, have humility and endurance, and are willing to reconcile with their children. We're going to go through each one, and, uh, and, and again, I hope you're, you'll be blessed by it and challenged today. So the first one, uh, the F, stands for faith. And we'll look at a story. Uh, we're going to skip some of the verses in Mark chapter 5, um, because in the middle of, of that is when Jesus is, heals somebody else in the midst of taking care of this situation another person comes on the scene and he heals her and so uh, that happens so we're just going to look at the the synagogue leader Jairus okay or Jairus um, and and look at that situation so uh, read with me read the first couple verses when Jesus had crossed over again by boat to the other side a large crowd gathered around him while he was by the sea one of the synagogue leaders named Jairus came and when he saw Jesus he fell at his feet And he begged him earnestly, My little daughter is dying. Come and lay your hands on her so that she can get well and live. So Jesus went with him, and a large crowd was following in and pressing against him. Okay, there's the healing that takes place in between those verses and this pause. And then verse 35. While he was still speaking, people came from the synagogue leader's house, from Jairus' house, and said, Your daughter is dead. Why bother the teacher, Jesus, anymore? When Jesus overheard what was said, he told the synagogue leader, Don't be afraid. Only believe. He did not let anyone accompany him except Peter, James, and John, James' brothers. They came to the leader's house, and he saw a commotion, people weeping and wailing loudly, which was 
uh, part of the uh, par for the course back then. He went in and said to them, Why are you making a commotion and weeping? The child is not dead but asleep. They laughed at him, and he put them all outside. He took the child's mother, father, mother, and those who were with him and entered the place where the child was. And he took the little girl by the hand and said to her, Talitha Kom, which is translated little girl, I say to you, get up. Get up. Immediately the girl got up and began to walk. She was 12 years old. At this, she was utterly, they were utterly astounded. Then he gave them strict orders. No one should know about this and told them to give her something to eat. But what I wanted to see there is, is Jairus and his faith. And he, you know, because he could have, he could have done other things. He could have tried other means, um, you know, for his his sick daughter. And he was a synagogue leader, which you know that was that was important. Okay, um, that would have been frowned upon. I'm guessing other synagogue leaders would have been like, "What are you do- What are you doing, Josh? What are you going to Jesus guy for? All right, you really believe he's going to help? Um, apparently, he did. Right, because he actually had the feet to his action there. He had the faith there. I mean, to it to what he to what he thought. Uh, thought Jesus could could heal her. He goes to him. He even falls at his feet and begs him earnestly. So he falls at Jesus' feet again. Being a synagogue leader, it's pretty big. All right, falls at his feet and begs him earnestly. See, he, even after people came and told him that his daughter was dead. Right? He still allowed Jesus to go come to his house. Of course, Jesus said, come with me. All right, we're going to go. He didn't have to. Right? He could have said, no, Jesus, he, she's dead. But he said, okay, and he went on. All right, And there was still faith there, and then we see that his daughter was healed. What a wonderful, what a wonderful story there. Or how about Methuselah? Now we can talk about other people. I just want to pick a few here. But what do we, we know about Methuselah? What's something that most people who have gone to church more than a couple of years know about Methuselah? Lived a long life, all right. The oldest lived the longest life than anybody, right? What about Methuselah's dad? What do you know about him? Look in, look, wait a minute, Genesis five verses twenty one through twenty four. Enoch was sixty five years old when he fathered Methuselah, and after he fathered Methuselah, Enoch walked with God three hundred years and fathered other sons and daughters. So Enoch's life lasted three hundred and sixty five years. Enoch walked with God, and then he was not there because God took him. That's pretty amazing. Uh, uh, some Methuselah, who we a lot of people know, but we but then sometimes we forget about his dad, who was said in there in that scripture twice that he walked with God. What an amazing thing to be, you know, if you're a man, all right, uh, or or a woman, either way, to to have that said about you that you walk with God. That person walked with God. Right? That would be an amazing thing to say. And he was not there because God took him. God just said, "You're not going to die. Pick you up. You're going to go with me." I don't know. I don't know how it happened, but that's what it said. Yeah, and so it's pretty, pretty awesome if you ask me. He walked with God. And and I want to add one more thing to uh, the faith okay, uh, section here. And that is to, if you're a husband, um, to be faithful to your wife. All right? Be faithful to your wife. That's going to be one of the most important things you can do for your children is to be faithful to your wife. And your children see that, you're, that you, are, uh, you are that. And so good fathers are men of faith. They are advocates for their faith and family. They turn up, have humility, endurance, and are willing to reconcile with their children. I may or may not read all that each time, okay? That's a mouthful. Miss right? um, Donna would be like shaking at her, doing like this about that long run on sentence right now. All right? But number two, advocates, okay, or advocate. Ezekiel 22, 29 through 30. This is, this is a passage that, that is well known to be preached on, uh, on Father's Day. I'm not going to um, spend all uh, the whole day on it, the whole uh, message, but uh, will on this particular point. So Ezekiel 22, 29 through 30, it says this, The people of the land 
have practiced extortion and committed robbery. They're talking about the people of Israel and all the things that, that have gone wrong and not gone well. Said they have oppressed the poor and needy and unlawfully exploited a resident alien. And then verse 30, I searched for a man among them who would repair the wall and stand in the gap before me on behalf of the land so that I might not destroy it. This is God speaking. But I found no What a sad, sad statement. I found no one. And see, the idea of advocate here, and I had to stretch the meaning a little bit, I admit. I had to do a little liberties there. Uh, But the idea here is someone that is willing to support, defend, uh, encourage, stand up for. You know, and so what do we stand up for? What, what, what do men, if you look, you think back and just think of men uh, in, in America today, the things that we like to stand up for, you know. Oh, uh, we don't like our pride challenge at all, all right. I mean, I had somebody, you know, I, I, here I am, a grown man, almost 50, and I got mad because some, some, what somebody said to me at school one day uh, a couple months ago. I was ready to go outside and, and throw some hands. Some of y'all know what I mean by that, you know. I was so mad, you know. But, you know, pride, oh, we, you know, or don't talk about my team now. We'll talk about my team or my race car driver or whatever it might be, and, and, and we, we want to do that. But what about for our family, you know, for, for our faith? Because those, those are things that we should be advocates for, amen? I mean, are you willing to stand in the gap and be an advocate for your family, for your faith? Praise God for the women who have stood in the gap in our place, all right? The stand in the gap. And, I, and I, that part is so sad. It's one of the saddest scriptures uh, in, in, in the Bible to me. It says, I, I, I search for a man among them who would repair the wall and stand in the gap before me on behalf of the land. They would stand on behalf of the people, on behalf of the land, that I might not destroy it, but I found nobody. I didn't find a single one. Not one. Not one person. So sad. Women, again, you, you think about, and, and again, I mentioned how thankful I am for women. And, but, I mean, I don't think I have to say a whole lot about that because I think you probably know what I'm talking about. I, I think about my life, my, my short life so far, and, uh, and just the, you know, the Sunday school teachers and the leaders in the church were predominantly women at the churches that I went to. Okay? Not a whole lot of male Sunday school teachers. Okay? That's a shame. Y'all remember the men's crusade several years ago, Promise Keepers? That was a, not a good, good thing. And they got a lot of flack for it. People criticized them. And it's like, man, these are finally men willing to stand up. Because, uh, we, you know, fatherlessness is a huge thing. Uh, I said this last year. I probably said it year before on Father's Day. But um, I would, I'll know that, that Jimmy and... and um, Ethan and Ashley, I don't know if Ashley remember or not because I don't know if I had you for English, but um, English class, there were times, I don't know if y'all were in my class when I did this, when I would just have y'all do a journal writing for their bear, for your bell ringer. Not very often, maybe once a week, once every two weeks. And um, you had to count how many words you wrote, you know. And everybody would pretty much, no problem doing this. And I'm not making this up. This is my experience. The only time I would have a student refuse to do that assignment was when, it, when it, I, I shared with them statistics about fatherlessness. It was the only time. And I would, I would, every time I would do it, at least one every year, somebody, a student would come up to me after class and say, Coach Murphy, I, I can't, I'm sorry, but I can't write about that. That's too upsetting. It hits too close to home. You know? and, and I would try to help them out there. Because this is just some statistics, but just let me just share a few. 63% of, of all youth suicides 
are from fatherless homes. That's five times the average. Again, from all these are from fatherless homes, so I'm not going to repeat that for, for the next four statistics. 90% are of the homeless and runaway children. 90%. 32 times the average. 85% of, of the behavior disorders are from those with fatherless homes. 20 times the average. 80% of rapists with anger issues from fatherless homes, 14 times the average. And then lastly, 71% of high school dropouts from fatherless homes, nine times the average. If you don't think it's a it's an important thing, it is. It is. And, and it's one of the things that, that I missed, uh, probably that I missed the most about coaching because Sally and I always looked at it as, as a ministry. And that was one of the biggest things is a lot of my guys didn't have fathers. And so if I could do that, then I've, then I've, done, I've done a lot of my job already in my eyes. To, uh, we, I submit that we need more of those willing to stand in the gap. Amen? Tim Burke was a major league pitcher for the Montreal Expos, with, uh, which is now the Washington Nationals, by the way. With potentially a number of baseball years still ahead of him, he retired at the age of 33. Why? Well, him and his wife, Christine, could not, could not have any children. Over time, they were led to adopt four Korean children, all with special needs. As Tim realized the demands that's put on his wife to be everything right, to, the, to the kids, he decided he would give up the game he loved in order to be a major league dad and a major league husband. Be a major league dad. Advocate for your family and friends. And next, number third one, turn up. Turn up. And all I simply mean there is to show up, be there. My toddler, went, this is another uh, social media post, said my toddler shouted, I need a break from all of you, and then locked himself in his bedroom. When we asked what happened, he replied, nothing, I'm just being daddy. Right. Some of you, oh, amen or oh me. Uh, those of you who have had children, I, I'm sure I'm not the only one to, when they were babies, to go to the bathroom for more than just uh, a couple minutes. All right. <laughs> so, Ooh, let Sally deal with that. All right, um, she's like, yeah. But what I what I mean by that is presence, turn up, presence. Ephesians five verses fifteen through sixteen, you know, which we'll we'll uh, we'll get to soon. Pay careful attention then to how you walk, not as unwise people, but as wise, making the most of the time because the days are evil. Making the most of it. Someone wisely says, showing up is half the battle. All right. Well, when it comes to being a dad and a father, I'd say it's a whole lot more than half. Because right. uh, when you think of being there, you think about your own life. I think most people in the room, when you think of your, which parent was there, it's the mom. It's the mom was there. Right. Dad wasn't. And it's sad to say, just be there. Do your job. Be there. Oh, they like to use the excuse that, oh, we're too busy and you know, there may be some truth to that, and I'd say that is. You might want to check your priorities, by the way. Another sermon for another time. Uh, but be there. Be there. I, I, that's, uh, I don't really have much more to say than that. Right? It's the simplest one, but I think sometimes the hardest one you know, just to be there. Be, be present. Be active in their lives. I can think of um, I never was able to go to the Valentine's Day daddy-daughter dance because I always have basketball games, you know. Uh, on that night, but I was finally able to go to, I think, two years we went, and I would see all one. Was only one there? Okay. But in um, and, and the year or whatever, the one time I went, 
or two, whatever. Um, it was it was good. I can't remember. The but the the good thing. I mean, the thing that I saw was I got to see several former students and players, several former players with their children. You know, and whether or not they were still married to the mom, I'm not sure. I don't know that all of them were, but at least they were there. And for in some small way, I was like, that's something. You know, you got to take whatever we can, right? So good, good fathers. Next, they have humility. So when I think about uh, the the messages that the world sends to men and the fathers, you know, I, I think here's just some, and this is not an all like the holy, all encompassing list. Okay, these are just a few things that ran ran through my mind. Okay, I'm sure you can think of others, and you would be right. All right, but these are just some things that I think the world says fathers should be. Okay, or men should be courageous. Strong, right? Strong, uh, fearless, protective, hard workers, tough, right? Daring, right? Yeah, I mean, y'all, y'all, y'all agree with that list? It's a pretty good list, right? I think, unfortunately, lately, as I've gone through some stores and I've seen some advertisements on the internet, um, it seems more about, um, you know, uh, getting a, uh, not having a dad bod, okay? Dad body, so like to work out, okay? And, um, uh, part apparently all fathers like to drink beer. All right, I'm not saying any, I'm not having my preaching on that today, okay? But that seems to be a big thing. All right, you know, it is in alcohol. Hey, man, get this for your dad, you know, and or coffee. That's another one. It's not bad, um, but it's just weird the messages that that are sent. Of course, I would add hard headed to the list. That should that was an easy amen for the ladies, and y'all missed it. That's okay. All right. <laughs> Uh, t- Jimmy's not, not going to say that today. All right. um, but you know what? It's okay. Uh, it's okay to do certain things that are not considered manly or macho. You know? uh, and I, I mean, I even had a groom one time say to me, uh, and before the wedding, says, I'm not a sissy if I, if I cry, am I? You know? And I'm like, uh, no, not at all. So it's, think of the messages that are sent our way. Listen to Philippians 2, 3 through 11, which, you know, we did Philippians, what, a year or so ago? All right? And it's one of my favorite passages in the Bible, all right? and, and one that I, I wish more men would read, okay, uh, and, and women, but I, I do think it's very powerful. So read with me. Uh, again, y'all know I like to let the Word of God uh, preach much better than I can anyway. It says, Do nothing out of selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility consider others as more important than yourself. And think about how different this is than what the world tells not only men, but women. Okay? What the world says. Verse 4, everyone should look not to his own interest. Oh, that's different. As the world says, we should be all by ourselves. All right? Uh, but rather to the interests of others. Verse 5, adopt the same attitude of that of Christ Jesus. Which is what? Paul's going to tell you in verse 6, who, existing in the form of God, being God, did not consider equality with God as something to be exploited. Instead, he emptied himself by assuming the form of a servant, taking on the likeness of humanity, come down to earth. And when he had come as a man, verse 8, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even to death on a cross. Very humiliating. Verse 9, For this reason God highly exalted him and gave him the name that is above every name, so that in the name of Jesus every knee will bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Amen? It's a beautiful scripture. And I also want to encourage you that physical touch is not a bad thing. All right? Humility is not a bad thing. And putting others 
in front of ourselves. Men, it's not a bad thing. Physical touch is not a bad thing. Don't withhold that from your children. All right? Don't you know, especially females. All right, like make sure they know. All right, men too. Either one. Don't withhold that from your child. You don't believe that it's important. Listen to Luke five twelve through thirteen. Listen to the story of Jesus and the healing the leper. While he was in one of the towns, a man was there who had leprosy all over him. He saw Jesus, fell face down, and begged him, Lord, if you're willing, you can make me clean. Reaching out his hand, Jesus touched him, saying, I am willing, be made clean. And immediately the leprosy left him. I, I love that. Y'all told y'all about that, uh, the, the TV show uh, last week. And, and uh, it's, it's escaping me, The Chosen. Right. All right. And, and I, I love that. There's a scene already where he, where he heals a, a, a man who's a leper. And everybody else is running away from him. The disciples, hey, 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 you stay over there. You stay over there. Because they're supposed to say, unclean, unclean. Okay? And, and, and so they're like, you stay away. And Jesus just goes right up to him. All right. And he could have just said it. He could have said, you're healed. He's done it before. He did it. All right. But he touched him. Right? And imagine uh, how important that was. You know, encouragement is not a bad thing, fellas. It's not a bad thing. Something else that, uh, you know, you you know, you don't have uh, very many mommy issues, but you have a lot of father issues, daddy issues these days. And you read about much of that, and psychologists, psychiatrists, all these things have different things to say, but, you know, definitely from uh, the words that were said or not said by the father right, have a huge impact. And we know how important words are. It seems like pretty often that it's the words of a father that sting the most. Either the harsh words that were actually vocalized or the words that were just left unsaid. The words, I love you. Say them. Say them. And sometimes we just need to think before we speak. Amen? Oh, me. <laughs> I remember hearing about a guy who stopped in a grocery store on the way home from work and he wandered around aimlessly a while searching for needed groceries like men are prone to do amen. amen where do we don't where do i go now yeah it's like I, I even have a list and i still don't know where, where i'm going half the time all right as is often the case in this situation he kept passing by the same shopper in almost every aisle it was another father trying to shop with a totally uncooperative three-year-old boy in the cart bless him the first time they passed by the three-year-old was asking over and over for a candy bar our observer couldn't hear the entire conversation. He just heard Dad say, Now, Billy, this won't take long. As they passed in the next aisle, the three-year-old, please, had increased several octaves. Now Dad was quietly saying, Billy, just calm down. We'll be done in a minute. When they passed near the dairy case, the kid was screaming uncontrollably. Dad was still keeping his cool in a very low voice. He was saying, Billy, settle down. We're almost out of here. The dad and the son reached the checkout counter just ahead of our observer. He still gave no evidence of losing control. The boy was screaming and kicking. Dad was very calmly saying over and over, Billy, we will be in the car in just a minute, and then everything will be okay. I'm sure you all know where this is going. The bystander was impressed beyond words. After paying for his groceries, he hurried to catch up with this amazing example of patience and self-control. Just in time to hear him say again, Billy, we're done. It's going to be okay. He tapped the patient father on the shoulder and said, Sir, I, I couldn't help but watch you and how you handled little Billy. You were amazing. Dad replied, You don't get it, do you? I'm Billy. <laughs> All right. Build your children up. Tell them you love them as often as you can. Tell them. Tell them you love them. And you know what? Forgiveness is not a bad thing either. We're going to look at that in a few moments. But I also want to approach this uh, a little different and that I feel that there are a good many well-meaning fathers who are trying 
and who don't think they're doing well at all. A lot of times we don't know what in the world we're doing. And that's okay. Don't quit. That's going to be the next one. See, fatherhood can be a challenge. Consider the first time father who was taking his first turn at feeding his baby some strained peas. Naturally, there were traces of the food everywhere. Floor, ceiling, especially on the infant. His wife comes in and sees the huge mess. She looks at the baby, then at her husband, who appeared to be just sitting, staring off into space, oblivious to the whole situation. She asks, what in the world are you doing? He replied, I'm waiting for the first coat to dry so I can put on another. <laughs> Amen. Let's like that one. Sometimes we don't feel like we're doing very well, but you, if you're there, again, that's more than half the battle. Keep striving. Keep striving to be better. So good fathers are men of faith. They're advocates for their faith and family. They turn up. They have humility and endurance and are willing to reconcile with their children. Hebrews 12, verse 1. Therefore, since we have also such a large cloud of witnesses surrounding us, let us lay every aside every hindrance and the sin that so easily ensnares us. Let us run with endurance the race that lies before us. Like you've heard said many times, life is a marathon, not a sprint. Okay? Keep sticking it out. Stick it out. In 1910, there was a lady named Senora Dodd in Spokane, Washington. She was sitting in a church service on Mother's Day as she was listening to a sermon about mothers. She thought about her father. Her father was a Civil War veteran. Her mom had died early in life, so for all the years of her life and the years of her siblings, they had been brought up by their father. He was a very devout and godly man. She thought it would be a wonderful thing to have a special time to honor her father and all fathers. Because he was born in the month of June, she was able to have a special day honoring her father on the third Sunday of June in 1910 in Spokane, Washington. And then in 1966, Lyndon Johnson made it a thing, which is what we have today. So why is it that our culture has always made a big deal out of athletes who don't quit? You ever thought about that? They made a big deal about that, you know. And as a coach, I was that was very important to me that we I stressed the idea of not quitting. We don't quit, okay. And I, I think of uh, and I may have told you the story, but Nick Hyder uh, was a was a big time football coach at Alaska High School. He was he he won several state championships, okay. And and uh, I asked his my college roommate in my last year of college was an assistant coach for that system for Valdosta High School football. And I said, hey, man, Nick Hyder must be awesome Pre, pregame speaker. I mean, he must pep talk. He must get those guys fired up, man. I said, what does he do? He sees just the same thing every week. I said, really? He said, yeah, he just goes there, goes to a couple guys and, and says, never, never hits them on the helmet. Never, 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 never. About four or five people. And he says, never quit, never quit, never quit. That's all. So those guys are like, ah, you know, and it's ready to go, you know, just do some damage on the football field. But so why do we make such a big deal about that, yet so many dads quit on their main job of being a dad? Oof, that one hurt. Because we, we make such a big deal about that, and we're taught we play football and basketball and baseball and all those sports. Oh, don't quit. Don't quit. But, you know, it's okay if you quit because half the divorce, half the marriage is going into divorce. It's okay if you just quit being, being a dad. I feel like that's been the message that's sent. It's just from what I've seen. I was, I was, uh, again, I was comforted to see those former players at the Valentine's Day daddy-daughter dance to see that. And some of them hadn't quit. Don't quit. And lastly, reconcile. Because we're going to mess up. Amen? Right? We're going to mess up. Kids are going to mess up. What do we do when that happens? Uh, y'all, I read this story to you earlier. All right? 
but I'm just going to read the, the end of it. So you have the parable of the prodigal son, which um, some have said, you know, that really has been misnamed in our, you know, in, in our Bibles, in the headings. It's really not the parable of the prodigal son. It's a parable of the good father. Amen. Listen to the end. So we know that he squandered all his stuff. He, man, he he asked for his, his, you know, the money, and which he shouldn't have done that at that time, and that would have been disrespectful. And he's man, he's like to the point where he can. I just want to eat those things that the pigs are eating. And then he's like, hey, wait a minute. At least I can go back to my father. And so he says this. When he came to his senses, he said, "How many of my father's hired workers have more than enough food? And here I'm dying of hunger." I'll get up, go to my father, and say to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and in your sight. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your higher workers. So he got up and went to his father. And I love this part. But while the son was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion. He ran, threw his arms around his neck, and kissed him. And you can read the rest. as I've already read it today. He steps him back in, in, into standing and there and good standing in, in the family. But I love that part of him while he's still a long way off. And I know you've heard it. Me and other people preach that. That means he was looking for his son. Amen? He was looking for him while he's still far off. He didn't care about, uh, about anything, uh, you know, the, 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 item, the sayings of the day as far as, hey, you shouldn't be running. He didn't care about that. He didn't care about anything. He's going to go get his son and let him know that all was forgiven because we're going to mess up. Amen? So things like some men will say you should never apologize. And they want to hold grudges. Rather, you have a man here, parable of the good father, who shows you how to reconcile. See, I'm so glad that, you know, without going into great details, I'm, I'm thankful in my life that my father and I reconciled. Because we weren't, there was a time in our lives when we weren't close. Right? And now we are. And I'm thankful for that. And then, you know, I took him to the hospital Monday. And by the way, he's, he's cancer-free for another year. Right? And I praise God for that. I, I, was, I was able to go with him to the hospital. He was telling me all about, you know, the radiation room and all this. Man, what he had to go through. And unbelievable. But I'm, I'm, I'm thankful for that. Well, I'm thankful that I can tell him I love him. He'll tell me that as well now. Again, tell your, tell your kids that. Be willing to forgive yourself and others. I like how Paul Harvey, y'all know, y'all remember I, I used Paul Harvey a couple weeks ago for the father, for the farmer. All right, I'm not going to read you the whole thing he says about fathers. I'm just going to read just a portion of what he says about fathers. I thought it was pretty good, right? I, I, really good actually. Say, father is a thing that is forced to endure childbirth without an anesthetic. A father never feels worthy of the worship in a child's eyes. He's never quite the hero his daughter thinks, never quite the man his son believes him to be, and this worries him sometimes. So he works too hard to try and smooth out the rough places in the road for those of his own who will follow him. Fathers are what give daughters away to other men who aren't nearly good enough. Amen. So that they can have grandchildren who are smarter than anybody's. Fathers make bets with insurance companies about who will live the longest, one day they lose, and the bet's paid off to the part of them they leave behind. Reconcile with your children. I want to end today with just three brief statements to three different audiences. Okay? To fathers, leave a legacy worth following. Leave a legacy worth following. First Kings 2, verses 1-4. through 4, As the time approached for David to die, he ordered his son Solomon 
And he says, as for me, I'm going the way of all the earth. Which means I'm about to die. Solomon, be strong and be a man. And keep your obligation to the Lord your God to walk in His ways and to keep His statutes, commands, ordinances, and decrees. What an awesome thing to share with your children. This is written in the law of Moses that you will have success in everything you do and wherever you turn so that the Lord will fulfill His promise that He made to me. If your sons take care to walk faithfully before me with all their heart and all their soul, you will never fail to have a man on the throne of Israel. He says, that's the promise that God gave to me, Solomon. All right, I'm sharing this with you. All right, Go, be strong, be a man. Keep your obligation. Honor the Lord. Right? Leave a legacy worth following. What type, or what type of legacy are you leaving? Something to think about. Uh, next one is, a, is an easy one. One that I'm sure you hear in every Father's and Mother's Day sermon. Okay? Children, honor your parents. Honor your parents. Deuteronomy 5, verse 16. Honor your father and mother as the Lord your God has commanded you so that they may live long, so that you may prosper in the land the Lord your God has given you. It's the one commandment that has a promise attached to it. Right? And Christians may be without dads today. Right? Maybe they passed on with the Lord now. I want you to be encouraged because you have a heavenly father. Like Mr. Tommy said so eloquently in his prayer this morning. Matthew 6, verse 9, Therefore should pray like this, Our Father in heaven. Our Father in heaven. Your name be honored as holy. And in Romans 8, 14 through 16, For all those led by God's Spirit are God's sons. For you did not receive a spirit of slavery to fall back into fear. Instead you received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself testifies together with our spirit that we are God's children. You have a heavenly Father, one that we can call Abba, Daddy, it was an endearing, intimate title for God the Father that could be translated, Father, my own dear Father. It's a title a child uses to relate to a father when the child knows that he or she is dear to him and one he delights in. Here's the thing. God is not your heavenly Father if you don't have a relationship with Him. So I encourage you today to make that decision. He sent His Son Jesus to die on a cross in your place. And it's a matter of saying, you know what? I accept what has been done on the cross to count for me. I want to accept that today. If that's your heart today, I encourage you to make that decision. Maybe you're uh, a father and, and you were challenged today and you just, you, you, you know, you have a decision in your heart there that you want to make. You can do it where you are. You can do it in the front. It doesn't matter to me. The altar is open as I ask Miss Dolores and Miss Sally to come on down. Right? And we're going to sing what, what song Miss Sally?